0: Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Hi, loves. Welcome to episode nine. Now, watch. I am so excited for this episode because I have my first guest. I'm already getting a little emotional because I got introduced to Jen Pasteloff by a mutual friend who told me I absolutely have to read her book, On Being Human. It comes out June 4th, and I thought, okay, yeah, I'd love to read the book first and see if I want to have her on, and does it relate to my content? Holy effing shit. It totally relates to my content. Jen's story, I have to tell you guys, the last time I read a memoir that really hit home for me that I was obsessed with that I couldn't put it down was Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. So I'm 38. That book came out probably 13 years ago. And I could not put Jen's book down. It was from beginning, middle to end. I did not know if I was going to laugh or if, if I was going to cry. Not only am I putting my stamp of approval on it, but Glennon Doyle and Cheryl Strayed and Pink are freaking out over this book. Yes, Pink, people. So, Listen to our episode first, and then the first thing you have to do, I'm going to have the link in the show notes, you have to pre-order this book because it will be the best summer read. <laughs> if you are someone like me who loves self-help but sometimes thinks, you know, ah, oh, I really should just have a fun beach read because I should let my brain relax, I still always want something with substance but not have to think about, oh, a new self-help tool. And so yeah. this is the perfect read because it's still so much self-help, and you will laugh and and you will cry, and your heart will bleed, and your heart will soar. And it is just beautifully written. So thank you so much, Jen, for being here. Being here in my apartment. We're in Jen's (laughs) apartment. We're both yogis. We're sitting here cross-legged in her apartment, so we're leaning through in my um, very fancy podcast situation. Amongst toddler... Cheerios and SpaghettiOs. It's the best. It's the best in Santa Monica. We're living the dream. So Jen and I actually have a ton in common. We were both actresses in our 20s, studied Meisner. She even mentions that she loved being really good at spelling. There were just these little things that you put in the book. Which I I no
1: longer am. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you I'm, know, also, not,
1: I'm also new to podcasting, so do I need to lean in more? Yeah,
0: I think we're good. Okay. I think we're good. Okay, Yeah, good. yeah, okay. yeah. Just go. go yes, yeah, so I no filter. longer am
1: good at spelling, but thankfully we walk around with mini computers, aka our phones and...
0: Autocorrect. Autocorrect, yeah. Is all what it's about. Mm-hmm. And Jen, I relate to being a daddy's girl, and we learn... Early in this book about the loss of her father at a very young age, eight years old, and your heart will just crack open reading about this. Jen also teaches yoga. We actually got our certification through Yoga Works in 2010, both of us, but no, eight for me. Oh, eight, yeah. really. Oh, sorry, yeah. I messed that up. Um That's okay. but uh I was on the East Coast getting mine, she was on the West Coast and She talks about uh, struggling with an eating disorder for many years and obsessing over everything fat-free and everything that she referenced. I just thought, me too, me too, me too, me too. You also even mentioned having recurring teeth falling out dreams. I have had those too. Yes. You also say in one sentence in the book, I love to curse, have coffee and drink wine. I'm like, I need to meet her yesterday. Would you like coffee or wine? Well, I'm I'm sipping on my iced almond milk latte. Can I get more L.A.? So, how long did it take you to write the book? When did you start? You're also a writer. I'm not covering everything, but she's just a Renaissance woman. It
1: it took me my life to write the book. Is that Mm -hmm. cliche? But it actually didn't take me that long from the time that I sold it. I sold it on proposal, and then I wrote it. It took about a year, but... A lot of it was already written because I had been writing for a long time. I just didn't have the clarity of what the book was. So a lot of it was um, compiling and figuring out structure. But from the time I sold it to what you are holding in your hands, about one year.
0: One year. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. Unbelievable. And so... Jen also leads workshops and retreats. They're called On Being Human, and it's a combination of yoga and writing and discovering yourself and unleashing your inner asshole.
1: Yep, it's weird, and I, I truly can't describe it. You just have to come to experience it. But it used to be called the Manifestation Workshop, and the subtitle was On Being Human. And then eventually the manifestation part fell off, not because I wasn't interested anymore in what we want to create in our lives, but I was more intrigued by the human The part that connects us, our humanity, our willingness to listen and share and tell stories. So now it is just called on being human and it's wacky and it's magical. And sometimes there's a bunch of yoga, sometimes there's none. And it's just about being a weird old human.
0: I love it. And right off the the bat in the beginning of her book, which I so appreciate because I too have led just sort of this artsy fartsy lifestyle, sometimes never knowing where my paycheck is going to come and how do I live and be happy by doing the things that I love and often having soul sucking jobs to just make ends meet while still letting my heart lead me. And so that you were talking right off the bat about people saying, you know, how did you get started? And uh, you immediately say, I want to respond, started with what? I don't know what to call this thing I do, this on being human workshop, which is exactly what you're saying right now. I love later than you just say on the next page. The truth is I'm afraid to look back and remember my journey because it's so much easier to be a walking dead person with no awareness and to just keep moving all the time forward. But that's not really easier. That's your inner asshole talking, further referenced as your IA, Mm -hmm. and it tells you lies, dirty, rotten lies. So I just love that because people are always saying like, oh my gosh, you just became this successful life coach overnight. And I'm like, no, it just unfolded in so many different ways. And it wasn't just like one day everyone started reaching out. It's like building and then not knowing what the fuck I'm doing. And then all of a sudden feeling like, wait, I do know so much. And then you were even talking about your first workshop that you led, and you were like, I got them all here. And I'm like, like, what do oh, I yeah. tell? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I, I feel like that sometimes still. I feel like that sometimes still. But now I, the only thing that I go in knowing that I need is to be present. So I just, you know, will that and listen and tell the truth. But I still don't know what I'm doing with anything. With mothering, With I have no fucking clue and and when people ask you know how did you get started it is a tricky question because i think it goes way back to my entire life i mean the the book goes into it but it's a compilation of every thing i've done and haven't done and my hearing loss and depression and writing and acting and i just put it all together and made this weird thing
0: <laughs> and yoga And this incredible thing. And Jen throughout the book has talked about all of this heartbreak, starting with the loss of her father. I even asked Jen before the interview, like, is anything a spoiler alert? Because so much happens in this book that just when you're like, and now she's passed the hard stuff, more shit happens. Yeah. And you're just, oh my gosh. And how she gets through everything so beautifully, even if it is messy, even if it is numbing out on all the different things, whatever it is, starvation to just get you past the, through it mm-hmm. and all the things. I, of course, want to focus a little bit on the heartbreak and the loss of men and being in emotionally abusive relationships or just with emotionally unavailable men. So you talk about your experience with Randall, name redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Very kind of you. So I refer- I know, really? I
1: really should, but I won't do it.
0: Because we are graceful, classy chicks. I won't do it with mine either. And everybody wants to know who he is. A lot of people know who my rock bottom ex is. So I think that's punishment enough because a lot of people have reached out to me and been like, I know who you're talking about. And I'm like, and I've had other women be like, me too. I experienced it with that dick too. Thank you for shining a light on this bullshit. So karma's a bitch. It comes back in whatever which way. I don't need to say his name. And at the end of the day, like he got me to hear, your guy got you to hear. I
1: couldn't agree more. I I couldn't agree more. So there is a gratitude. Yeah, there's a gratitude there. I wouldn't have recognized it in the moment, but now all these years later, 100%. -hmm.
0: And so you talk about Randall, and I wanted to just dive in a little bit on this particular heartbreak that you experienced you said, you know, the truth was that I was a girl who didn't love herself enough to leave someone who hurt her again and again. The lie was that it was all I deserved. That makes me emotional. Um, Randall had been one of the most painful and dark experiences of my life. And I, period, couldn't, period, (laughs) stop, period, fucking him, right? So I couldn't stop fucking him. He made me feel horrible about myself and I couldn't break away. We had dated for two years from the time I was 26 to the time I turned 28. I know the exact ages because he broke up with me on my 28th birthday. Over AOL, instant messenger. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: So weirdly, the sex was really good.
0: (laughs) That's not weird at all. That makes right. absolute sense. That's why we stay. Right. Well, yeah, that and and the
1: validation that I was uh, garbage, you know. And But he, oh, man, he had a hold on me like no one ever has in my life. I have gotten obsessed with people before. I have a tendency to, um, I have an a, addictive and a sort of obsessive personality, so that's not shocking. But the obsession turned into a whole other level and
0: he gaslit me, which I didn't know what that was back then. Can you just speak on gaslighting? Because I think some people I've talked about it, but some people still don't really understand. And yes, yes, we're going to embrace the sirens coming in. Sirens. We live in Los Angeles. So gaslighting. So, I talk
1: about it in, on being human, but I didn't know that term. I don't really think anyone did until
0: recently. I think with online dating and social media, it's just a situation that is now running rampant because not just men, but women are treating people and pictures like objects these days with swiping on the apps and social media. And people just seem to become objects yeah. and that we dismiss them and forget that people are human. So what I used to always say
1: was this. He used to borrow my car all the time. And I would say, he would crash my car and convince me I did it, and I would believe him. That never really happened, but that was my example. This is what I said 15 years ago. When I learned the term gaslighting a few years ago, I was like, bingo, that's exactly what it is. So that's the best way to
0: describe it. That's what
1: I mean. He and he always called me crazy. So I started to believe it, and a master manipulator, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And so I, I didn't trust myself enough, and I also thought, I convinced myself that I was in love with him, and I couldn't break away, and then on top of it, their sex was
0: good. Although now, I don't, in hindsight, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. But at the time, it's also, I think, sex is one of the few activities where, even for both of us who are yogis... we can be in downward dog and like plan the rest of our day. Right. But like when you're having sex with someone and it's like, oh, he's here and he's present and you're obsessed with that person. It's like, oh no, I have him right here right now. And that is like, you're so pre. you have to be so pre. I mean, you can think about other things during sex, but I do think I just even had a client say to me, like everything just goes away when I'm having great sex. Like it can be like you forget everything else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember now if I ever had that with him. I, I think I was still like, how do I get him to stay? How do I get him to not leave right after this is mm-hmm. over? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I do think that certain people, I
0: know this, have a, have a certain chemistry together that's inexplicable. I think it's the dance of the narcissist and the empath that bond, and it's just like a physical subconscious yeah. yep. connection, yeah. and no one can explain it, and there's just like all signs point to run the fuck away, yet everything in your body is like, this is familiar to me. This is like what I need in the moment, that instant gratification that is going to fuck you up later in the same of like yeah. overeating, right? You yep, it's, it's instant shit. gratification, and it was be- very similar. My addiction to him was very
1: similar to stuck with food and with over exercise and with- um, abusing myself in other ways, all the same. I mean, it was just a different method, but the same exact thing. Mm-hmm.
0: And so can you talk a little bit about moving through? Obviously, I've read the book, and Jen can see I have nine million labels that I won't torture her with because I want to comment on everything. <laughs> it's so beautifully it. read and well-written. It's and surreal
1: for me because it's not out yet. This is an advanced copy she has, and it's all marked up. And, and it's just, it's a really bizarre and surreal to see in front of me, yeah! yeah, and and because I didn't know you before this, so it's not like you, you know, you're you're not biased, you know, you weren't like, oh, you're my friend, you wrote this book, it's great, you know, no,
0: one hundred percent. Halfway through the book, I said like, I can't, I have to email you now because I am dying over the book, dying wow. over the book. I literally was like, I'm going to be your creepy stalker. I did. I actually creepily stalked her yoga class last week at Equinox and was just like, I'm Claire. I'm obsessed with you. And I had to take her class, which by the way, if you are a member of Equinox or if you're not joining so The class was fucking join. awesome. <laughs> join for Jen's class. Sorry. Join me. the
1: very expensive gym.
0: Just for Jen's class, yes. Totally but weird.
1: I get a free membership because I work there. <laughs> Perk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so talk about then how, like, how you I, obviously I read it, but just for them to hear, how did you move through that? Because you're 28 at the time, mm-hmm. so you certainly were not as healed and evolved as you no, are. No. How did I move through that?
1: Well, he he broke up with me. I was trying to get away from him, um, not very successfully, but he broke up with me, and I still. Kept sleeping with him and I would let him come over and I would, oh, I don't even remember now. So go to his house sometimes and stalk him, drive by. people even do that anymore? I mean, I think. I I used to call
0: them DBS's, drive by stalkations.
1: Yes. So like it was (laughs) online stuff wasn't as big then. So because this was the 1960s. No, just kidding. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, but. I met Robert, which Robert is my husband. We've been married nine years together, mm, 13. And I actually had known him before. My mom had tried to set us up when I was 21. I ran into him 10 years later when I was 31. And I knew, which sounds really corny, but it's the truth. I knew that I would marry him, our first date, which was at this Japanese place that's not there anymore. And I sent, I was just about to say his real name. I just (laughs) said-
0: I sent Randall under the bus.
1: (laughs) I sent Randall an email. I wish I could find it because I want to know what I wrote. And that was that. And never, never touched him again, never
0: so it is interesting because what I always preach in my life coaching world and to my clients and to my audience is like, don't wait for another man to replace him. But so would you speak to that? Because I don't, I think I will
1: speak to that. Yeah. So, so the truth is, I don't know that it was another man. It was just that I wasn't ready to love myself enough to think I was worth it enough to, to, so for example, Robert was someone that wanted to spend time with me. And I had to allow that that sense of worthiness in. So it was me. But I do think I credit him with so much. Robert or Randall? (laughs) Robert. I I mean, Randall, yes, because, hey, look, a lot of my book, a lot of my material, a lot of my self-growth. Thank you. From that, sure. And also, it it takes two to tango.
0: One hundred percent. If you've been listening to my first aid episodes, I might literally my episode from last week. It is called "It's Not Him, It's You." Just yeah. Taking oh, the responsibility. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I was a mess, and I was, I, I certainly wasn't easy to be with. But I mean, we were just also very wrong for each other. But with Robert, he allowed me none of my mental space was taking up taken up with obsessing with wanting to check his email, with wondering what's wrong with me. And so Robert really allowed me to soar. There was an innate trust. Yes. And he made me feel really safe, which is really important to me. That's a personal thing. And, you know, having lost my dad so young, but it wasn't necessarily another man that did it. I think it was timing. I think that Randall, it was, I was just at the right place for every, you know, timing is so magical. There's no accounting for it.
0: 100%. You met him at 21. Your mom introduced you guys. Yeah. He sent you, this is a little tidbit from the book. He sent her flowers at 21 being like, would love to take you out. And you were like, just friends. Yeah. And 10 years I later. Said, I just want to
1: be friends.
0: <laughs> and, but sometimes
1: I do think another human can, can help you see yourself in a better light, whether it's a romantic thing or a friendship or whatever, they can be a mirror
0: for you, even though Robert and I are totally opposite. Well, I think that's a great segue into page 164. Yes. I love how I have it all marked up and cute. It's actually a perfect segue into what you write here, because to your point, right, timing is everything, but you had a choice to step up and lean into the discomfort of Robert being available. Yeah. Because I have friends, and I know for me, when I date men who are like, I just would like to spend quality time with you and go to lunch with you on a Tuesday. I'm like, what? Exactly. <laughs> right? like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And because Red I. Red flag. <laughs> lunch on a Tuesday? What? Are yeah. you crazy? But yeah, you really talk about, you know, and it's a perfect um, segue because the title of this episode is Now What? And Jen has been through literally so many things and Ugh, you guys just have to get the book because she has really lived a thousand lives. And after each unique traumatizing experience, and notice I'm a coach and I'm always talking about how everything that happens is neutral. It's a neutral circumstance and it's the thoughts we want to think about the neutral circumstance that can create so much more pain and suffering. And my one of my mentors, I always say this, Brooke Castillo, talks about how life is 50-50, 50% negative, 50% positive, like loss of a loved one, death, break anything like that's your clean pain right and then we often create so much suffering especially in breakups a lot of dirty pain right where it's just so much indulgent drama in the mind and holding on to and hoping they'll come back and berating ourselves blaming ourselves shaming ourselves blaming them all the things right and so um you i mean even as like let's say i was coaching you i'd be like okay so some shit happened how do we move forward right if you were coming to me kind of unhealed and carrying all this stuff, right? So after everything that happens, after each kind of big event that happens in your life, you you ask yourself, now what, right? right? And so after Jen starts to entertain her relationship with Robert, her mom, who, by the way, sounds fucking amazing. I want to meet her. Mom Barb,
1: they call her, everyone. What do they call her? Mom Barb. Her name's Barbara. so she, People call her Mom Barb.
0: Love it, love it. <laughs> so she, after every pattern I, on page 164, after every pattern I claimed I wanted to break, I was just making a list of reasons why I sucked. I saw these women doing this, paying a whole bunch of money to become, to come to a weird yoga workshop and just make a list, um, make a list that they would stick in a drawer and forget about, which I love that because I think we can all relate. And I even do this till this day. I'll be like, Oh my God, this, I want to clean up this. I want to fix. And then it's like, okay, later. right? Right. And then you go on to talk about, sorry, that was a, that was a backtrack of a different point that I wanted to make. But then when you talk about your mom encouraging you to stay with Robert, you say, when I started dating Robert and I was deep in the in the cycle of overexercising and starving myself, yet another pattern that came and went over the years like a virus, I called my mom and said, I don't know, mom. He's so great, but I am not sure I'm ready for a new relationship. I like my routines. I totally to that as a single independent woman right now. I'm like, I don't want anyone fucking with my business or really? my routines. It's I get up at five in the morning the now.
1: Because the more time you've had to be in your yeah. of your own ways it's like oh I don't want anyone. To, I don't want anything to disturb this
0: complacency and I just did this huge cleanse and I'm not drinking as much right now and um, I'm just like and then when I start you know I've been back on the apps and I'm, I literally said to my best friend I'm like I don't want him messing with my mojo like I feel like my business is really shifting so in positive nice. directions and I'm feeling really good about myself I'm like I don't want to start to like someone and then like incorporate him into my schedule and then have to like guess what he means and uh-huh. all the things uh-huh. which by the way we don't have to do that, but I'm just saying that's what my brain naturally wants to do. And then you said, I like coming home from the newsroom, the restaurant you worked at, and being able to go and do my walk and exercise and not have to talk talk to anyone and sit on the computer all night if I want to. If I have a boyfriend, I can just do what – If if I have a boyfriend, I can't just do whatever I want. And then your mom says – If you keep doing what Jenny Gen P has always done, you'll keep getting what Jenny Gen P has always gotten. And I love that because in my coaching world, I always preach that your thoughts create your results. And that's exactly what your mom was saying, right? And so I just love that. So if you want to add to that.
1: I like that you use the expression leaning into the discomfort because that's exactly what it was. And most of my life, I have not listened to my mother, much to my chagrin. (laughs) And she's usually been right. Yeah, I, I needed a little push because honestly, if she hadn't said that, hilarious that she called me Jenny JMP. That was like my AOL name and my email and <laughs> nickname. And but if she hadn't said that, I would have kept on. I mean, first of all, MySpace was like my jam. I'd come home <sighs> and I would just sit on MySpace all night. I would drink wine, and but it, and I lived in you know in this apartment. It was my own apartment. And but it's. Habitual. I'm a very person of habit and habitual and addictions. And so it was like this I would have, I would have still been sitting here right now on my space, probably with no Charlie, which is my son. And and like, I don't know. But my mom, yeah, I think sometimes it's when we have our people, whether it's your family or your chosen family, who help you let go of your bullshit story and help you not carry it anymore you know we need a little nudge or a little push yeah and we don't always listen but i'm really grateful she said that to me because i thought okay uh okay and i gave it a little you know we went on a date and then another and then i slowly let him in but i needed um i needed a nudge
0: I love that. And can you talk about slowly letting them in? Because I know I have a couple of clients, and I know I've realized that I've um, been reevaluating my own dating patterns. And I think, you know, here I am a coach for three years. And so, Conscious and self-aware, Jen. You know, and having done this like non-drinking journey in the last thirty days or whatever, now is past. But now I'm really thinking about becoming a moderate drink, or not thinking about. I am. Whoops, Freudian slip. And and I've really been going over. Oh my gosh, like what I have thought has been this instant connection. And the older I get, I think I can move a little bit quicker. And I I know I coach a lot of women in their late 30s, early 40s, and you just said about taking it. So like, which I think is so
1: important. Well, I, and I think it. I think there's no right way. I think sometimes you do jump into things and go quick, and sometimes you take it slow. Now, ironically, I probably misled you because Robert moved in after a couple months. We've oh, that's right,
0: because he was supposed
1: so, to. <laughs> yeah, so we've lived together for our entire relationship, literally, since two months. And right. so one might scoff when I say we take it slow. But what I mean is I... Um, for me to fully feel comfortable being myself Mm. and to have him living here and to also get used to somebody who really loved me and enjoyed me and didn't just roll out of bed after we had sex. And also slow is a relative term. So for me, I was taking it slow, but not really in hindsight, you know. But it, it definitely took me a while to fully let go of my armor, if I even still have, and and just let myself be vulnerable.
0: Even now, as a mom to his child, would you say he's... Well, just I think
1: I have a lot of physiological programming that it's from years and years of having a lot of armor on and of not feeling that it's um, it's tough for me sometimes to feel. And then also my antidepressants. So I struggle sometimes because it's either like... If I'm off them, I can't function. And then on them, and there's a slight dullness. So, yeah, so sometimes it still is. It's not hard for me with other people, but with myself it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about with Robert?
1: It, it still is sometimes with him. And also Robert is very, he's he's British and Persian, and he's, he's not a man of many words. And so I don't necessarily have to be. And so sometimes that's a... Like an escape.
0: That totally makes sense. And I think really you know yes you've written this beautiful book and and you've grown and you've uh healed so much and you're in this place in your life where you're a mom and a wife and a lot of people who are listening would be like and now she's arrived but the same mm-hmm. with Liz Gilbert look at all the pain that she, that was one chapter of her life that she wrote about and then it's like life still keeps happening she lost her lover you know and now she's with someone else who was connected to her her lover and I think the bottom line is we never have it all figured out and how boring would it be if it was. And even when we're married and we're in our ideal relationships that we're always growing as independent people and always learning how to navigate and I know for me the person I was in my 20s is a far cry from who I am right now and who knows where I'm going to be in 10 years um another thing that you and I have in common that i related to that you referenced is just really finally feeling like you discovered who you were in your 30s and i definitely feel that for me or just like starting to really love who i am in my 30s and i didn't realize how much i hated myself yeah. in my 20s into my early 30s and like now i'm like holy shit who can i be at 48 cuz i think i really like myself, even though I still find those pockets of not enoughness and my inner asshole always gets unleashed in some way, shape or form. And you also just talk about, and I'll let the readers learn more about beauty hunting. I love that phrase, just finding that and and finding the beauty in life and in all the moments and in all the pain. The last question that I just want to ask is, you know, this podcast is called How to Stop Wanting Him Back. And I know that there are just a lot of heartbroken listeners. I even just heard from someone today who said, I've been listening to your podcast and I really think it's been helping, but I think I need more help, which I, I do believe, yes, we can listen to the podcast. We can read the books. I truly, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think finding the right coach or a therapist or someone to rely on, but what's, and I know that this is a big question because I think it's a, a lot of things, right? But what is one thing to any heartbroken listener over the loss, maybe it is the loss of a parent or the loss of a lover. What is something that you would want to offer them in this moment?
1: Great question. Come to my workshop or retreat.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to come to one. But,
1: joke is, I mean, I actually am not joking, but I <laughs> there's a lot of things. You know, the first thing for getting over, uh, for stopping the obsession or stepping, stop, wanting Randall back for me, one was geographically, I removed myself, you know, so he was in, in Hollywood. I'm in Santa Monica, but I stopped driving by. And then if you want to metaphorically driving by, you know, meaning stalking online.
0: Thank you for saying that. Cause I was going to add to that if you did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Driving by in, in air quotes, also coming back to the idea of finding your people, people who lovingly hold you accountable and don't let you hold on to your bullshit story that you're not enough. <laughs> Just got chills, yes. Yeah. Also, a lot of times in my workshops, I ask people, what does what would radical self-care or self-compassion look like for you? And they start writing. And, you know, they write things like, I would love myself or, you know, whatever. And then I say, okay, now here's a caveat. I want you to give me something specific that you're going to do by tomorrow night. Oh, so doing a specific act of radical self-care, self-compassion. That might be taking a bath. That might be having a glass of wine, not having a glass of wine. That might be staying off Instagram for one night, but it's something really specific. So it's getting specific. So for me, a big thing is getting out of like woo-woo land and getting out of like the ethers and bringing things back into like practical action. Yoga helped me a lot. and I barely do yoga anymore hilariously even though I'm a yoga teacher but or exercise of some sort but yoga specifically because it helps I think be less in your head you know less mirrors yeah more connected to your heart create whatever it is whether even if it's you know cooking create and then beauty hunting which is I picked the number five because it feels tangible. You know, what are the five most beautiful things right now? And that's not to say the five most beautiful things of your life. You know, like my son being born and, you know, that one time in Italy. Mm -hmm. But the five most beautiful things of today. And so it really causes you to pay attention. And you can't wallow as much. You know, I call it wallowing in your own suckery, (laughs) Mm. but, um, so beauty hunting. And so, you know, every hour, every two hours, whatever it is, stop and write down or put it on the internet or whatever it may be, the five most beautiful things. And then you become this active beauty hunter and you're just paying attention and you're present. If
0: you want to think of it another way, you're noticing That was such an amazing answer. And I love everything that you're saying. And so much of what I tell my clients about is we have something called confirmation bias, where the brain can look for what sucks or the brain can look for what's amazing. And Tony Robbins speaks to this about if you're in a parking lot and you look for the red cars and how many red cars are there. And then someone says, well, how many blue? It's like, oh, there were no blue because you weren't looking for the blue. And I love how you said, you know, tell what does self-love look like for you? So much. And that's so much about what my work is for myself and with my clients, because I think that there's such an intellectual concept of that that people intellectually understand but aren't implementing it. And so And they think it has to be this huge thing where it can be something really small. Like so small.
1: Make eye contact with someone today, you know, especially people that are terrified or or have been emotionally abused or gaslit or or so shy or whatever it may be. Maybe it's—I mean—something so simple. I like totally pooping alone. You know, if you have a kid, <laughs> I'm not kidding right yes, now. Yes. So people think it has to be these like grandiose things. Not at all. But I—I I really believe in taking it out of the of the like, la love
0: myself, and I mean, that's all great and good. But what does that mean, and what does that look like? You also need the brain not only to shift your thinking, which is what I'm always talking about. Your thoughts have to shift first, but then you have to go take action to teach the brain. That not only is this a thought we're going to have, we're going to act from that thought. So don't just take a bath and still feel like life sucks. Take a bath and say to yourself, I'm doing this for me right now. This totally. is my time right now. I'm going to have this glass of wine. And I'm going to enjoy it so much. Or I'm not going to, and I'm going to feel my uncomfortable feelings. Feeling your uncomfortable feelings is an act of self-love because we're all humans and we're all going to experience it. So do you want to be a badass and experience them and own them? Or do you want to just keep shoving them down? Because I'm telling you, I mean, Jen, definitely, I think you would agree, right? Yeah. The more you shove them down, the more you numb them out, the more you avoid them, it'll either manifest in disease or in just more drama in your life instead of just leaning into it and being a badass and everything will fall into place.
1: Yeah, or, or it won't, right? But I, I think there's no other choice besides even though I still sometimes battle with that battle with self-medicating or with shoving things down, but um, there's no other choice. If you want to really be of the world and in the world, you know,
0: I I think you make a great point, like maybe it won't work out or maybe you'll still feel pain or maybe someone will let you down or maybe you won't get the dream job or maybe you still have this illness that you're dealing with. But when you know that you're showing up and doing your best and leaning into it and owning all that is and living your life authentically and doing all you can, I do think there's something to be said of I get to put my head on the pillow at night and I showed up in my life yeah, and I didn't fight it or resist it or I did let myself have a good cry, but I – didn't pretend it wasn't there or push it away or right. fight it.
1: Right. And I I one time I made a meme. It said something like, if you build it, they will come or they won't. But either way, you built the thing, right? So exactly. There are no guarantees. It's not like, oh yes, I arrived, like you said in the beginning. Um, I thought of one more thing about about in terms of not wanting uh how was that? how did you phrase it? Not wanting him back so much. Is I call it your your mind your mind tattoos or your mantras. Mm. You know we all have them, and for a long time, mine were like I'm fat, I'm a loser, I'm just a college dropout, I'm not enough, I'm a bad person, and so rewiring your brain, which is not easy, it takes practice,
0: exhausting.
1: It's a, yes, and also, but but picking phrases or mind tattoos or mantras, whatever you want to call them that resonate with you. So if you pick something for me, at least that's too cheesy or woo woo or disconnected, it won't work. But like, I am here. I'm safe. I'm enough, whatever it may be, but something that helps you. And because the the mind tattoos before, especially with Wanting him back is, I can't live without him. I can't live without him. I can't live
0: without him. Or The only thing that will make me feel better right. is him coming back. And when that's not coming back, which is my first episode, all I want is for him to come back. It's actually just a thought that you can change, but it takes hard rewiring to do it. But you got to want to heal more than you want to indulge that story.
1: Yeah. I I have a phrase I said, um, the will to change must outweigh the need to feel safe. Say that again. The will to change must outweigh the need to feel safe
0: or stay safe. I just got chills. Yeah, I I love um, that.
1: I thought about that laying in bed one day, but it's it's absolutely true. And staying safe is tricky because it's something that I crave more than anything in the world. So even if I'm miserable. In the safeness, i.e., all the years I waited tables, um, the years I w- was with Randall, but there was a safety in that. There's the comfort with the discomfort
0: of being in the dysfunction. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So the will to change must outweigh the need to stay safe or to feel safe. And, and it's it's like, you know, all those the there's like that quote. This is and then one day she woke up and I knew she had a fly or found her wings yes. or, you know, it's like one day you wake up hopefully and you go, Oh, I, I can't do this anymore. Or you don't, but I hope that you do. I did, but that's not to say I don't have bad days still. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the, that's the, the human in me and all of us. And the truth is that each day You wake up and you make choices and you get to do it again, God willing, right? Each day.
0: And you get to say, now what? Now what? Now what? Thank you so much, Jen. You You guys, on Being Human, I have the uh, link in the show notes on Amazon. You have to get this book. I'm going to be like Oprah with the color purple and I'm going to buy it a lot of copies, and send them to a lot of people who I know this book would resonate with. And a huge reminder that you are not alone. And even like... Badass powers powerhouses like you walking this earth are still saying it's hard. And that's something that, yes, I'm a life coach and I'm a heartbreak coach. And I'm like, I'm on the other side. I'm still single. So I know there's a possibility I could get my heart broken again in this lifetime by a dude, right? And it's just like I keep showing up and keep doing the work. And yes, I have my pockets of loneliness. And yeah, I can be, remember a shitty memory with some ex. And I can, my brain can want to indulge that. And it's just we're all human, but we're just walking the walk as best we can. So yes, we've come a long way and we're on the side of a lot of things, but we still feel deeply. We still hurt. We still have Gabrielle Bernstein talks about having these tiny mad ideas that our brains can easily indulge. And you just keep picking yourself up and you keep going and you keep trying and embracing the next thing. So I am literally so honored and I just, I know people are going to be like, oh my God, you had Jen Passeloff on your podcast when this book blows up because it's it's truly going to blow up. I, I never was that person, especially in my mid twenties. I was not on any kind of conscious journey by any means. And I, Oprah was still on the air and I read Eat, Pray, Love and I wrote Oprah a letter. There yeah. wasn't even like an email at that, that point. Means. And I wrote her a letter and I said, you need to have this woman on because she had already done like Oprah's book club or whatever. And I had just picked up, Eat, Pray, Love in a Barnes & Noble in New York City on the shelf. No one was like, oh my gosh, I I, I think I was one of the first readers. I probably wasn't, but it was not when it had blown up. I had picked it up before. It was just, I was drawn to the- it probably blew
1: up yeah. because of you.
0: Definitely because of me, because I emailed Oprah. By the way, she did, I believe she did two episodes on E, Pray, Love, and I was not invited in the audience, but all mm-hmm. these like middle-aged white ladies were in the audience being like, this book changed my life. If only I had done it, now I'm going to go to Bali. No, I'm kidding, but yeah. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but I wasn't invited. invited. <laughs>
1: they're not, they're not, they're not, a lot of people did do that.
0: They did do that, but I'm just saying, I'm not bitter towards ops that I wasn't invited, but I was really, it really resonated with me when she, just grew up in small town, Connecticut. And I grew up in a small town in Westchester County. And like, I broke up with someone after eight years when I was 24 and everyone thought I was going to get married first. And, um, um,
1: Elizabeth Gilbert is, is my shero. My sister is, and I now go, um, WWLD. What,
0: Liz what would Liz do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just, she's just, um, she really, and she has a new novel coming out actually the day that my book comes out called city of girls that I read an advance copy. And it's, amazing. It's one of the best books I've ever read. And the main character reminds me a lot of her, but she really lives her life in this way. She's human to the humanist, but where it seems like she's going for a life of no regrets. And I love that and
0: really um,
1: full of experience. And
0: But also came from a very sheltered small-town world where everyone had kind of had the you-should-check-off-the-boxes experience. And so when she went against the grain and yeah. left her husband and all the things. And sure. I just relate to that so much because all of my friends from high school and college definitely did the marriage-kids-country-club thing, which, by the way a majority of them are happy. And it's not that I'm knocking that, but I just knew that I wanted to do something different, but I always had that struggle of like, is this what I should be doing? And And um, should
1: is an asshole. I think that might be my next book title. Should is an asshole.
0: Don't steal it, you guys. She said it first here. Thank you so much, Jen. You guys ordered this book yesterday.
1: And yesterday, thank you. You can order on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or IndieBound.org if you want to order amazingly from a local bookstore. I lead retreats all around, as Claire said, and I have one in May, May 25th to June 1st to France and uh, near Bergerac. So you can find more info at jenniferpasteloff.com. It's by far the best thing that I do. These retreats to Italy. I've one in Italy too, uh, the third week of September, 2019. But France is coming up. This airs next week, so it um, it'll be in a few weeks. So if you want to come, reach out, and it will. Um, I promise, money back guarantee that it will be the most magical experience with snot flying <laughs> and. Deep bonds.
0: And- I love snot flying experiences. I talk so much about crying during meditation and how, and people are like, oh, no, you cried. I'm like, guys, if you don't cry, you're losing.
1: Uh, <laughs> I wish I could, because I'm medicated, it's hard. But, but you know, so I own the URL, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole.net. I love it. Someone had taken .com. So that's really the only prerequisite is don't be an asshole to come to any of my stuff.
0: I guess I can't come.
1: Yeah, too bad. <laughs> In fact, actually a while ago when Pink blurbed my book she said when are you going to do a retreat for dickheads I'm in (laughs) (laughs) so I read oh I
0: love when Pink says things like that to me oh wait she she doesn't know me (laughs) she's just
1: she's so cool exactly I mean she she found me on Instagram that's how we became friends but
0: retreat for dickheads Amazing. Well, I'm definitely looking into these retreats because I would love to do something like that and especially with you of all people leading the way. So again, a million thanks. I'm so glad. I feel like we are soul sisters and like beyond reading your book that I get to sit in your apartment and have this hey, conversation oh poor, with you my and my Paw stuff. I truly, Play-Doh. we live in LA but I truly feel like I'm with some like huge celebrity right now. So ha! I'm geeking out but guys, go get the book. Thank you so much for listening. Please let me know if you have any questions and if you are interested in following Jen and learning more about her, you can follow her at Jen Pasteloff on Instagram. I'm going to leave all this info in the show notes and so much love until next time. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.